Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 95 of the Seatstruck Movie Podcast, a podcast uh, where we watch movies and talk about them <laughs> and friendship. I don't know. You see our old tagline in this show. Oh, man. It's uh, it's great, though. It's it's great to have all you guys here today. I'm, I'm joined here uh, with a familiar crew. Uh, joining me, of course, our uh, co-host, Simon. Hey, hey. And uh, you saw him last week. He's back again for more. It's our buddy Tom. Welcome back, man. I'm back in black. Is it black? <laughs> I was listening to that song just like uh, like less than an hour before the, this pod. So I had like the... So how's your amp up music? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thunderstruck going, you know, getting the headspace. <laughs> you know, like I'm an NBA player. I got my like jacket over me. I'm like listening to it. Yeah, your warm-up yeah. jacket. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It's fun to chat today. Of course, uh, last week we did a timely episode because it was the 20th anniversary of Pirates of the Caribbean. So we had that wonderful discussion last week talking the first film, Curse of the Belt, Black Pearl. Um, we're here today. We're actually doing another uh, timely episode because, of course, um, just, uh, I believe, two weeks ago, um, the newest Indiana Jones film, Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny, just uh, released theatrically and it's in theaters. And uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, have you guys seen it at all yet? Actually, the the new Indiana Jones, or I haven't seen anything. I saw like a small snippet, oh, really? and that's it. So that's it. It okay. seems like it's not really being promoted all that well, in yeah. my opinion, at least. Uh, I I do know that if you go to uh, Applebee's and you spend thirty five dollars, you can get a free ticket to go see the new Indiana Jones movies. Man, <laughs> Applebee's is the shit. Maybe <laughs> TGI Fridays. I forget. You go eat their awful food and spend enough have money. A couple of marks and then go not even at Applebee's. They have the dollar hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I remember. I always think back to like uh, Talladega Nights, where it's like, "Hey, Ricky Bobby." It's like, you want to get fucked up at Applebee's and get kicked out for our family dinner? He's like, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> so I guess on that note, none of us have seen the new Indiana Jones movie. Uh, but none, um, yeah. from, from what I've heard, actually, it's been getting some uh, some decent buzz, which is nice to see. Um, so I probably will try to check that out uh, in the next few weeks. But, you know, we just did, of course, previously we did an episode on Raiders of the Lost Ark. We recently did an episode on Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom. So I thought, why not, with indie fever hitting the nation, why not wrap up the original trilogy talking Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade? Uh, so we'll get into that uh, topic when we get to our uh, main uh, discussion. But, of course, to start things off, wanted to talk a little bit of news of the week stuff. Um, we mm -hmm. did mention, actually, last time, I think when we wrapped last episode, we're like, oh, shit, we forgot to mention um, a few uh, arrest, arrest in peace. So... Um, I guess uh, I'll, I'll save that for a second, but I did well also mention um, in terms of new releases this week, uh, the newest Mission Impossible movie, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 oh, uh, yeah. just came out. I, I, this series is so fascinating to me because this is like something probably most people don't know. I have never seen any Mission Impossible movie. What? I've seen maybe a bit of them on TV as a kid, like the first one in the... The first couple of movies, I've never dun, seen any dun, of the sequels. Dun, dun, yeah, dun, dun, dun. but they're really I know they're massively popular. Everyone's seen. Everyone's on Twitter. Everyone's like, "What's your favorite one?" Like ranking them. I'm like, eh, I haven't seen them. I, I've seen a few of the stunts and clips. They look cool. The one where he's hanging from the plane. I'm like, wow, yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise. You know, he really like pushed like someone on the radio when I was on my way to work the other day was like, he's like, you know what? I don't feel bad for Tom Cruise. He's putting stuntmen out of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because like it feels like at this point, like these movies are literally his like I think I think I might have mentioned it on another pod, but I'm like, it's it's like his self it's like his form of like self-harm. Like he will probably die if he keeps making these movies the way he has been, because like the amount of like just dangerous situations he's putting his own self in to make these like incredible like action movies is just insane. There was one recently I know I think it made, might have been the last movie where like he broke his foot like he smashed his foot when he was doing a stunt where he like jumped across the building. And if you watch it, you can actually see him like smash his like body into the wall, and you could see where like his foot got fucked up. And I I saw that I'm like that all things considered that's like the least bad thing that can happen when you're fucking hanging off a plane. <laughs> doing multiple takes of that uh yeah, yeah. wild stuff so um maybe i'll catch up to these i know now there's that they're at like what seven of them so it's it's gonna be hard for me to catch up but uh, i have seen I like know, start with the first that yeah, one the first was one's my a favorite 
Yeah, the classic one. So I, the I whole the first... like coming down on the tightrope, like, like he's got the the suspended down. He goes down. He's like, <gasps> it's crazy. I thought yeah. that was like insane. Yeah, and it's by De Palma too. It's a it's a pretty well made film as well. Uh, I do like the fact that a lot of them all have like different directors. Like all the more the more recent ones are all Chris McQuarrie and, and Tom Cruise are kind of you know very similar in style and tone. But you know the early ones you had like John Woo, J.J. Abrams. Like they were very kind of different movies to degree. So um, that's always kind of fun when you revisit them. Um, also, want to mention we we forgot to mention last week. Uh, rest in peace, Alan Arkin. Uh, yeah. Of course, he passed away. Um, you know, we were, I think, mentioning off show that, uh, you know, many really, you know, really many really great roles for him. Notably, um, I would say playing the grandfather in Little Miss Sunshine. That was probably like a standout role for me when I think about him as an actor. But um, just a really great career. He was always a force in the movies whenever you saw him. Like he always had a great presence to him. And uh, yeah, an unfortunate Agreed. passing. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of lot of news as well, too, in, in the world of labor. I actually had put the article up because... Uh, there was an article in, in Deadline. It was a, sort of like a strategy behind the Hollywood studios and their fight versus the uh, the Hollywood writers. And there was this news that broke that like their strategy is basically to, and someone was quoted as saying, their strategy was basically to let them go bankrupt and just like lose their homes. And it, it dropped and immediately just everyone was shitting on it, um, assuming that the story leaked to make the Hollywood studios look bad. And uh, kind wow. of coincidentally, then on, on Thursday this week, um, the, the Screen Guild actors, um, the Screen Actors Guild just announced uh, that uh, they're officially on strike. It's the first time that it's been a dual guild strike since 1960. So what does this mean? If you're someone who doesn't follow these news, what does this mean for movies? Well, it means that a lot of festivals aren't going to have actors appearing. Um, they just announced actually yesterday that um, Fantasia Festival in Montreal, which is just supposed to happen, uh, Nicolas Cage is going to be there. He just announced he won't be there. So all the actors aren't, are going to be pulling out of all the promotional stuff. Um, wow. They just that just happened as well with wow. Oppenheimer just getting its uh its yeah release. I think they walked out on the premiere or something yeah like the that. day of they were there and they just dipped so it was like it was literally like a last second thing and and they walked out so I, I um, think that's I think that's great to see I mean it's gonna suck we're not gonna get some movies for a while but people pe hopefully people will get what they what they deserve yeah and it's nice to see the actors joining in because it went from like. 15,000 people being on strike to almost a half a million people on being on strike. Yeah, or something. It's, it's quite I a mean, difference. Yeah. And some of the stuff that's been proposed is like, like it makes sense when you hear about it because apparently they went to this, the actors and there was a deal where like they would, if you, if you're an extra, you would get paid $200 to be in a shoot where like AI scans you. Yeah. But the problem was if they scanned your likeness, they were, they were legally allowed to use that likeness for, for, you know, perpetuity without any really? without getting paid whatsoever which if you're if you're an actor and most of the people who do work in acting as a vocation work as like extras gigs hustling if you're if you're in that world that's basically killing your career because like you can never make money or get any like additional roles if like you could just hire a bunch of mass people give them a couple of hundred bucks and then you know send them on their way so a lot of the concerns around stuff like ai and also of course streaming right now a lot of the streaming stuff's been really fraught there's been a little bit of like an the emperor has no closed mo movement with streaming where it's like, how much are people watching this? We don't even know. It's just like, there's a lot of question marks around this it. This kind of reminds me of that, the episode in Black Mirror though, like the first one of the new season, it's like Joan is awful. And it's about that, how they like take like her likeliness. And then she's like, no, like you sign here that we're allowed to use this for against, like we can profit. And she didn't make a dime. I'd highly recommend if you like to watch it because it really relates to this, what's happening. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's cool. I have to check that one out. So, um, yeah, this, so this is going to be a big piece of news throughout the rest of the year. Um, I guess we'll see if this gets resolved sooner than later, but, um, it does seem like the street, the whole, there's so many things like AI technology, streaming, all of this stuff has sort of come together and it's really like going to have a lasting impact on the future of like labor and entertainment, how they, how they handle this. Um, because as far as the studios are concerned, they could just AI scan everyone's face and do a Harrison Ford and just de-age everyone and use them forever. They don't give a shit <laughs> as long as you'll pay for their monthly service. So uh, we'll see how this fight goes. Um, uh, definitely going to be some bad PR for folk, but uh, we'll see. But um, otherwise, outside of labor stuff, um, new movie uh, scuttlebutt. The I don't know if you guys saw there was a trailer for the new Willy Wonka. Yeah, I saw it. I'm like, I didn't really it? like it. <laughs> 
I felt like Timothy Chalamet looked like a bit of a weird casting to play him. Like he just didn't seem. I thought he would have done well, but like the whole concept, like like what I saw of the clip, I'm like, this is like nothing. Like he's like, I'm going to be a chocolatier. Like it's very whimsical. Yeah, I wanted to see something a little bit. I kind of wish it was like a little bit more dark in one sense, like the how like he became like this chocolatier. It seems kind of like a Disney musical at this point. I want want the backstory on how he enslaved all of his followers. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Did he offer them a two hundred dollar like fee or something? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when that comes out. I think uh, that one uh, should, should be getting a lot of buzz. Willy Wonka has a lot of fans. Like uh, I was reading somewhere that someone was a bit surprised uh, about you know how, why is Willy Wonka so popular? And I think it's because obviously the movie was played like annually during like Easter and stuff. I felt like that was something that was always on TV. And uh, I mean the books, the Roald Dahl books, enough, part eh? of our we read the Roald Dahl books as kids, so. In grade like, two, we read that. Yeah, I feel like there's like a generational thing where like so many generations of children grew up like reading like Matilda and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And then so these properties are ripe for like a lot of new generations of fans. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It, it looked pretty bad when I saw that. I was like, eh. but I actually I was reading it is by the um, by the by the man who did um, the Paddington movies. And I love the first two Paddington movies. Oh, okay. a lot, so I'm kind of interested to see. Uh, I imagine maybe uh, they might visually look pretty impressive. So excited to see that um one for the zilla heads out there they just oh uh, yeah you remember last last november november 3rd is my birthday it's also godzilla day it's his birthday too don't forget to say happy birthday <laughs> to the big green guy when you're saying it to me uh but last last year they actually announced a little teaser for a possibly a new godzilla movie and they just uh, showed a teaser trailer uh last week for godzilla minus one which is from what i can tell supposed to be a uh, basically like a reboot it's not a reboot but it's going to be a godzilla movie set in 1940 basically doing a, a, oh. a, a remake of the original godzilla uh in the new kind of era we're in so it looked really good from what i could tell i don't know much about the filmmaker uh the director of it but he's done some other kind of godzilla shorts and done some kind of more darker tone anime so kind of cool to see it looks really like intense so i think they're going for more of a horror feel which is cool because you know the original godzilla is literally a horror movie so um, it'll be kind of fun to see that um and of course a lot of the last one that came out of course shin godzilla uh, very well received um a little uh anniversary as well too 2000, 2001 a space odyssey turns 55 oh, years old nice um very exciting actually i saw it for its 50th anniversary they had the 4k uh, restoration and all that saw that uh, and on the big screen the loudest movie i've ever seen in the theater i don't know if it was just the sound was cranked up but like the the sound in that thing was insane like like the scene where they go to the the monolith and on the moon yeah and you get the ring like that, like i was in the theater and like it was like i was I, like had my hands. <laughs> yeah it was like the i was doing like it's not jackie chan thing i was like uh holding my hands like this like it was so intense it was just unbearable but um, I would say that the restoration is really good. So if you get a chance to catch it online, if you want to rent it or buy it or whatever, um, the newest release of it's really, really well done. So um, what a classic. I'm sure we'll get to that movie at some point. We'll do our like Kubrick oh, watch yeah. series. That'll be something. I love all those Kubrick movies. Yeah. So that'll be fun to do. I, I guess since it's just the three of us today, before we get to the topic, we could do as well another, you know, just quick what we oh. watched discussion. So I, I don't know if you guys have watched anything kind of new or significant the last week. Uh, Simon, how about you? Um, only one comes to mind. Uh, it was, I watched it the other night. Um, it's the Shutter movie. It's called uh, Quicksand, and it's exactly Ooh. what it says on the tin. <laughs> <laughs> Something I was really concerned about when I was seven years old. Yeah. Quicksand. Well, that would yeah, be a well, bigger problem in my life. Yeah, it, yeah, well, you know, go back to fear and quicksand because it's here. No, it's pretty good. A couple gets lost in the woods and gets stuck in the quicksand and got to find them out. And along the way, they discover something. They discover that they love each other and blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow. It's a, you know, typical kind of horror movie survival horror movie. Is it one of these like situational survival movies like (laughs) Fall or stuff like that where it's like they're in a situation they have to like. Yeah, well, it's stuck horrors. I guess that's maybe. Yeah, they're stuck in quicksand and they got to find their way out. But yeah. there's a lot of stuff that happens, uh, uh, you know, elsewhere and with them and their backstory and stuff. And uh, it was pretty good. Um, I can't really think of anything else new that I watched, though. Uh, there really hasn't been much coming out lately, I don't think so. Uh, 
we tried watching the Transformers movie, the new one with the. Oh, the oh okay. Oh, like, what you saw it? Well, it's yeah, it's streaming on. Oh, right on. Well, it's it's streaming on not the usual streaming places. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I fell asleep. <laughs> I'm not. Really? I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of Transformers person. I mean, I love. Okay, it. it's pretty boring. <laughs> okay, I know like the series isn't that great, but this is like the Beasties, which like oh, John and I yeah. grew up with. This we I remember like having the action figures when I was in like kindergarten and grade yeah. one. <laughs> I've been I've been waiting yes. for this. Oh see, uh, okay. So so I when I grew up, I had I had one transformer, it was the generation one uh Mirage. I remember he broke and I was really sad about it. <laughs> I like it because Optimus Prime is a cab over Peterbilt, and that's how he should have been when they did the reboot. He was he started off as a 397 Peterbilt. I was so happy, and he jumps into this 5700 Western Star, and every truck driver booed. You're a fucking nerd, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're at the you're at the like Comic Con with your trucker hat on. You're like, excuse me, sir, <laughs> but in episode one, uh, you're like, I am. I'm a, I'm I am the truck either. driver. <laughs> oh, what's that? I said I am a truck driver. Oh, you are. Oh. Yeah. So this is his. This is his bread and butter. He's writing this an whole... angry letter. He's like, "You fuckers!" Like, well, no, it's funny because like when that when the first like the remake with yeah. like Shia LaBeouf came out, I knew a guy that he redid one. Like he had a Western Star 5700, uh, 5, and he had it done up to look like Optimus Prime, and he oh. did it for his son that was dying. Wow. So, so I remember I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he had it like on his door handle on the passenger side, like a memory of this. And I was like, he's like, I did this for my son. I was like, it's like dying wish. So he had it built. I was like, he's an owner operator. So he's, oh, he cool. made his truck look like it. I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. That's, that's a lot of work too, to like do that much restoration to get it all. Well, like, well, uh, yeah. you just had to paint it blue and red, and you had oh, to put those yeah. dump it's stacks on. Yeah, yeah, all the all the like exterior stuff. Yeah, to make it. Yeah, make pretty it much. Work. Yeah, I don't think it transformed into a robot, John. Yeah, yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like there's a lot of stuff, a lot of mm. a lot of ins and outs with this thing. You know, you got to build arms that pop out and everything. That's that's tough. Tom, but, what did uh, you watch? Anything? I finally watched The Machine, as we talked about last oh, episode. Yeah. What'd you think? And now you're set. I thought you were right. I thought it was going to be better, but I thought it was still okay. Like, I yeah. had a good, like, laughing moments about it. Yeah. It's good, really good action. It's kind of a story. If you know, like, more behind, I, I like how in the movie, though, like, his real wife plays, like, a different person. And he just, like, talks shit oh. about her the whole time. It's like, oh, yeah, that Madison's mom is such a fucking bitch. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> his real wife in real life. <laughs> Does he uh, take his shirt off in the movie? Oh, well, yeah. Well, because like, people are like, like, he has, like, there's a scene, like, at the beginning, he's throwing, like, a party for his daughter. And this guy's like, hey! And he's like, not not, not today, bud. Not today. <laughs> it's like, I'm a changed man. He's... Well, that's the whole idea of, like, the movie is that, like, he's, like, taking a break from doing comedy and stuff like that. Mm. At the beginning, and his dad like doesn't realize like he's like, why does everyone keep like asking you to do this? Like, and like the whole story about him, he's like, oh, that wise tale that you tell. He's like, no, it, it actually happened. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then he's like, his dad, he's pretty much, it's like kind of almost like a therapy session. That's what the whole thing is. Him trying to reconnect with his dad. And it's kind of based like on his real life because he tells like a, in his like stand up like the upbringing that he had with his dad and stuff like that. It kind of relates to this movie. I don't know. It's That's pretty cool. funny. It's got some good moments, but I thought it was going to be like hysterically funny. But it's got like pretty good funny moments, and the storyline was not what wasn't what I expected. Oh yeah, I I say go see it. Nice. Cool. That's any, about any... it for me. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I I didn't watch a whole a whole lot this week, um, but I, there was a couple of things I, I forgot to mention from last week that'll that'll make a note of. Um, I, I did watch it, and actually, Simon, I know you have this on your Plex, and I, that's where I watched it. I watched a New York Ninja, the uh, oh, restored boy. ninja exploitation movie. Yeah, uh, it was good. I think that it was really cool. Um, the fact, you know, the, the story behind the movie is really fascinating. The idea that they found this sort of lost footage by uh, John Liu. Uh, it was all it was all filmed. There was uh, no sound, no script. 
and they cobbled it together, they restored it, and then they fully re-recorded everything. And it's very impressive the fact that there was no like lip reading when they did this because like it looks really convincing. I was watching it and I was watching some scenes to kind of see. And like they match up really well, so like whoever did the actual recording and re and rewrote the script, excellent work. Like it looks really yeah. It's they really they got like all cult actors to to fill in. Yeah, you get a lot Don of Don the Dragon Wilson. You got uh, Michael Berryman, Cynthia Rothrock. I mean, the yeah. list goes on and on and on. That's all names from the eighties and nineties. It's great. They do a great job with the voice acting. Yeah, and I would say actually like uh, Curtis Spieler, I think was the the re-director. I think that's what they called it. Um, obviously a great job. But I actually thought John Liu like did some pretty good work on it. Like some of the shots were really fun. Like a lot of the fight scenes are all these like big one takes with all yes. the characters in view. And it's him. You know, he's he's his background. He's like a, a kicker. He just like kicks and does flips and stuff. And he's wearing he's roller all... skates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's roller skating around. Uh, the the story is so dumb, though. It's like it's literally like Batman for 90 percent of it. It's like a woman be like, help, help. And these like marauding gang of like the warriors rejects shows up and then New York Ninja <laughs> shows up and like takes them down and then skates off or whatever. And then they're like, look, look, it's the New York Ninja. And he kind of builds a following. Yeah. The, the, the story is pretty mindless, but um, it was really well, like technically well done. And I thought it was pretty fun. There was actually a funny moment when they were on a uh, 42nd Street and you see all like the porno theaters and they have a theater showing Ninja 3, which is this is so obviously based off right. those. Yeah. So this is so obviously based off the canon uh, Ninja films. And actually, I just saw Revenge of the Ninja a few weeks ago. And I think, That's you know, I like Revenge favorite. of the Ninja a little bit more than this, but it's still pretty good. Revenge of the Ninja oh. is definitely the best ninja movie out there, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this one's pretty fun. I, oh, I will yeah. say, like, I thought I thought just it's it's hard to separate, like, the story and background of how they made this film from the movie itself. Because the movie itself is kind of like a fairly plain B ninja movie. But, um, you know, I thought overall it was it was cool. I, I would love if they do more stuff like this, if they find more of these lost film films and, and restore them to this degree. Because... Um, I think it's a cool story. Kind of interesting, though. They actually couldn't track down like John Liu to like have his involvement in the movie, which is kind of weird when you like look at the credits. Um, but there's some rumors that like apparently like, he doesn't want to get involved because he's like involved in crime or stuff. Like, there's all this like speculation, oh. but it was kind of interesting that he actually like what didn't want to be involved in it. And I'm like, bro, this it's making your movie look good. Like it makes you look pretty good. So um, yeah, I, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. I had a, I had a great great time watching it. Um, uh, another one as well too I watched uh, this one's on Netflix it, it caught my eye it looks kind of like Final Destination it's called Countdown it's about this oh. killer app that if you download it it tells you when you're going to die and for certain people where it says you know I'm going to die within a day let's just say maybe that comes true it's very obviously like biting off Final Destination to a degree um, if you watch I, I had a good laugh because on Netflix you know when you're, you're scrolling through the, the movies it'll show the trailer of it the trailer of it is literally the first fucking scene of the movie. I'm like, oh, okay. So we're just jumping right into it. There's no, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's pretty dumb. It's the the actress from um, I can't remember her name. Let me look it up. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Lale. She played Beck on You, the Netflix show. Uh, she's sort of the main character in this film. Uh, also, some other foot figures. Tom Segura shows up. He's like a nice key repairman, and he's in it. And Segura. Uh, there's this whole story about like uh, the the main character. She's like a nurse at this um, hospital, and this doctor is like creeping on her. So there's kind of this weird like Me Too angle, and like the doctor doesn't get reprimanded. He like turns it around and blames her and it was kind of took me out of the movie i'm like this is so dumb like what this would never happen in a hospital but um it, there were some parts where it kind of went a little like final destination rube goldbergy and there was some spooks and thrills along the way so um i i was okay i thought it was like a pretty like c c plus d effort so um it wasn't a total mess i, I actually didn't totally dislike it but um was kind of plain um all things considered um and in terms of other stuff i think Oh, was that it for me? Maybe there was a couple more. Oh, actually, there was a, there was a few ones. I watched uh, some stuff, a couple more things recently. Um, First Reformed, the Paul Schrader movie. Watched that one. I, you know, I love Paul Schrader. We, of course, did um, Rolling Thunder. He wrote that movie. His films oftentimes deal with, you know, masculinity and men and, and you know, men and religion and kind of figures that have gone through trauma and are trying to work their way through it. A lot of his characters rely on narration or journaling. And, of course... This is the case with First Reformed, which um, is a film about Ethan Hawke, who plays this uh, priest at this local parish, the First Reformed Parish. It's kind of almost like a tourist church. It's like this very, very old church that people kind of go to as a novelty, but um, it's kind of superseded by this much larger kind of successful funded church nearby. 
Um, but Ethan uh, Hawke's character works in this church. He's a, uh, his name's Pastor Ern Ernst Toller, and he meets uh, Amanda Seyfried's character, whose uh, boyfriend um, is having kind of a moment of crisis. He's an environmentalist, and he's like obsessed with climate change, and they have this amazing discussion. It's like a 12-minute scene where they're chatting, and they're talking about sort of the the nature of climate change and human humans' involvement in climate change and what that means for humans. And um, I don't want to spoil too much of the story, but of course, his films deal with like radicalization. This film, in, in its turn, kind of deals a lot with like radicalization. Um, some people are obviously looking at the political message of it, but I think like part of it is the fact that you know people who are so deeply traumatized and are dealing with their own issues and pain can so easily be drawn to um, sort of these causes by whatever means and kind of get radicalized to that degree. So um, I thought the film was just really powerful, really fascinating. Um, it looks incredible. It's shot all in like 133.1. So it has like the tall look to it, uh, which is cool. So it really like helps like frame. I was reading uh, why Paul Schrader did that. He talks about how um, it really helps to frame peoples and their faces and their emotions. So I thought that was true. I thought it really like kind of came across that way. Um, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a really interesting experience. I think it's a really, really fascinating film and it really like, dug its way into my soul a little bit watching it um there's some pretty powerful moments in it um and just just recently i'm, I'm wearing the shirt the blue velvet shirt i went to the by town nice. yesterday saw blue velvet again uh great movie love that movie it was great it was actually my first time seeing it with a crowd which was great because i love the lines uh the first line where uh, he's talking about i'm a heineken guy and he's like you know budweiser the king of beers then later with uh with uh, uh frank booth where he's like what do you drink He's like Heineken, fuck that shit. Paps, blue ribbon. That <laughs> we were we were laughing in the aisles. That was that was a hit. So that was good. Um, really great movie though. I mean, the music's just fucking immaculate in that movie. Um, uh, the greatest film ever about a guy down bad for Isabella Rossellini. So that's that's what you could say about it. It's a great a great experience watching it. And to me, it's always been my favorite Lynch movie. I think it holds up really well still. Um, classic noir. A lot of ways, it has like everything that would come, everything that would come from that movie. Uh, that he's done in the style and kind of subject matter, I think really taught, you know, really links to that. Um, and I had a good kick because I've been watching a lot of uh, Twin Peaks. Uh, Jack Nance appears as one of the henchmen. And so I, it was great seeing him with his little pork pie hat. I had a good laugh about that too. Um, so good movie. And then uh, I went to the cinema, the Mayfair secret screening for their midnight movie. And because they're having a big uh, month long animal series of like animal killer animal movies like Jaws, Alligator, Grizzly, um, the one they showed this week was Killer Crocodile. So that was oh, the movie. I just um, watched that the other day. Yeah, pretty fun, actually. The crocodile, like, the I, effects I, I are pretty good. I love those those 70s and 80s crocodile movies. They're great. Yeah, and the, cro the crocodile, it's a pretty, he's a kind of a goofball. He's, like, slipping stuff. He's trying to grab the little girl. He's falling. He, like, trips and slips. And, um, yeah, is it was the, pretty. Is Killer Croc the one with Robert Forster? Uh, no, but it's, it's the and one where it's like the, the group of environmentalists who like don't want to kill. Oh, okay. And the one guy gets like, he's like, it's yeah. like the Paul Schrader character gets radicalized to want to kill the crocodile. He's like, Oh, I am going to kill that crocodile. And it's like, okay. That, oh, that, that's man. the one where they're investigating like toxic waste in the Amazon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's like three or four killer crocodile movies. They on. all kind of blend together. There was like a bunch at the same time that all released. So. I, I like the Italian ones the best. And this was one of the Italian ones, I think. That's right. Yeah. And all the music was all scored. Uh, it's all edited. I think all the, all the, it was, I think the, the director is Italian too, I want to say, but it has that definitely has that kind of like, it had, it had that kind of like Mondo feel a little bit, like when they're yeah. going through, I think it's all in Florida, but it, it could have, might as well could have been like the Amazon or something. I'm like, oh, we're going to, we're going to stumble upon like a girl on a spike or something like Cannibal Holocaust. So I was a little concerned about that, but I, I actually showed up, we showed up a bit late as well too, because the traffic here was nuts. And so I had a good fun time guessing what the movie was going to be about the first little bit. So we got uh -huh. there and they're kind of just, I think it was right when they're searching for the friend, they're kind of going around and then the crocodile appears and we were like, Woo, but we missed the beginning, which I guess was a little bit of comedy because there, there, there's this one scene where they're talking about their friend like being gone and they're very emotional. And I, I we, we didn't show up for that part of the movie. So we kind of took it at face value. And then the whole crowd is like laughing. And I'm like, did I miss <laughs> the humor of this? But yeah, it was. But I, I was like, man, I felt really bad for these characters, but uh, clued in that it was kind of kind of for laughs. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that, that was about it for me. Um, I guess we could get then to our, our topic of the of the week, which is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, um, the 1989 sequel to Temple of Doom. Um, worth noting as well, too, um, when I was reading about kind of the background of this movie, much like Temple of Doom, 
Um, it didn't start off with the idea they had in mind. There had been like various ideas of how to make a sequel. The one thing they did have consistent with this movie was they 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 were all agreed that Temple of Doom was way too dark, way too weird. Of course, we talked about that movie. We love that movie. But when that movie came out, there were a lot of polarized opinions. A lot of people thought it was like way too fantastical, too dark. It was sort of um, it, it was really it really turned off a lot of people. And so part of the impetus behind this movie was to bring it back to sort of the adventure of Raiders. And, and you know, we see that yeah. very explicitly with the Nazis are back as the big baddie. And there's that great little gag line where he's like, Nazis, I hate those guys. Um, and that really sets the tone, I think, for this movie, because there's a lot of like, I wouldn't say like, maybe a little bit of like fourth wall, I think with the with the opening kind of prologue in 1912, that's definitely very like a little bit of fourth wall breaking. But there's a lot of almost like Indiana Jones looks to the camera and says a line moments in this like it's a, it's a little <laughs> bit more. It's, just, it's a definitely a, a sillier movie to a degree that it feels a little bit more aware of itself. Um, I think that's my biggest problem with it is the humor that they're trying to do with Sean Connery. It just doesn't work for me. I think it's, it's really some of the some of the jokes are just really corny. I mean, I wish I, I, wish know, I was I, I was laughing quite a bit. I actually thought the movie was really funny. I was I was having a blast with with Harrison Ford doing the like Sean Connery Scottish yeah. brogue. The tapestries you're looking for. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene had totally left my mind. I haven't seen this movie in like 15 years. I'd forgotten about that scene. Uh, man, what a moment. The tapestries. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is a castle, right? And your castles have tapestries. Like this is a castle. And then he's like, he's like, how dare you talk to me that way? And he just like backhands them. He's like, all right, well, I guess we're on our way now. Yeah, exactly. So just I to kind of get, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I just want—I wanted to mention that um, probably my favorite part of the movie is the intro with a little, yeah, a, love little it. mini adventure on the train when he was a kid and the cross the circus. That's it's really—I think it, it sets up the whip, it sets up the fedora, the the scar, and his fear of snakes as well. Fear of snakes. It's like his entire character is developed in that one moment. <laughs> yeah, the opening prologue takes place in 1912. It stars uh, River Phoenix, of course, playing. Indiana Jones' son, and actually a little bit of fun casting trivia because uh, uh, River Phoenix played Harrison Ford's son in another movie, Mosquito Coast, and I was watching some of the behind oh, the scenes, yeah. and, and Harrison Ford specifically told Spielberg that, you know, if you, because he wanted to kind of, I think it was George Lucas' idea, he was like, let's have like the, you know, young Indiana Jones to start the movie, and they thought, okay, that's a good idea, and uh, they went to Harrison, and Harrison said, there's this kid, River Phoenix, I think would be great to play me, and River Phoenix, there's a little snippet interview with him, and he talks about how you know, he would watch the way that like Harrison Ford just like moves his head, like what he's shot and stuff. And he like really tried to like embrace those same mannerisms. So some really spirited casting and it's a really fun scene at the little bit of like John Ford Spielberg influence, especially like I, I was thinking I haven't seen the movie, but I've I've read a lot about it. It was all over the Internet. The 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 Fablemans, which talks about, you know, it's a little bit of almost like a bio, biographical That's a good movie, movie about Spielberg's own interests and in, in what got him into movies. And I couldn't help now. But whenever I watch any of his movies, I think about like that movie and like the influences that are in his own movies and that movie. And like, you know, Spielberg loves John Ford, loves classic American Westerns. And you get that in spades with the second unit crew making this like all the all the scenes in that prologue shot in Colorado, Utah with the beautiful canyons and the and the great train sequence. And it's it's really fun. And, and it's it got like a definite like whereas it's like Buster Keaton influence on its sleeve. It's very like bombastic and slapstick in that way. Very classic uh, Hollywood, too. Um, it's a great way to start the movie off. And um, so the movie, of course, itself is about um, the quest for the Holy Grail. Uh, we find at the start of the film that uh, Indiana Jones, his father, who is a scholar who's like investigated and written about and researched the Holy Grail, um, he has this great diary that has all of his breadth of knowledge and research and is supposed to give clues to where it could be. There's sort of this like missing puzzle piece where they have like almost all the pieces, but they're missing this one element. And we find out that his uh, father is missing. He's been kidnapped um, at the same time him and this uh, woman named Elsa, a German uh, scholar, and a few other folks. Dr. Are... Schneider. And we get some old friends and favorites. Sala appears. We get uh, a yeah. bunch of different uh, folks oh, making Brody. their return. Brody, which my the, one of the biggest laughs where Indiana Jones is in prison or the Nazis are there. He's like, he speaks like three languages. He can do anything. He's like really hyping him up. It's like, he's, he's, like, he's already, already got the right holy, got the holy grail now. And he just cuts to him. He's just like, 
no thank you i'm good english, english please english and it's so fucking funny. funny oh man um yeah so we find out of course they 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 kind of find the that missing puzzle piece so they realize they know the whole stretch but um without getting i guess well this is the section for spoilers a uh, little bit of a plot twist elsa is a nazi and she's involved with this sort of nazi operation to kidnap the the diary and then set them on the quest to find the Holy Grail, which is supposed to give you a mortal life and is going to be used by the Nazis for bad shenanigans, to put it that way. So, Rewatching this, I look back, I'm like, how could you not tell this woman was a Nazi? This woman is a clearly Aryan race woman. <laughs> yeah, but she's smoking hot, so I give her... I give yeah, her a that's why. That's even more to add to it. They well, want even, to clone her. Even a little bit more twisted is the, the running gag that um, she actually slept with both Indiana Jones and Henry Jones, his, her father, or his father, rather, um, which I, I missed as a Gross. kid. I missed this whole plot line, but it, like, the, the gag keeps coming up over and over again, and Talk I was like, sleep. "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> like when when Harrison Ford and and uh, Sean Connery tied up, and they're like, you know, they're looking the other way, and you see like Harrison Ford, you like, like look over, creep over, comedy gold. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like I paid attention to the, like the Connery casting in this. It's very meta casting. Even in the interviews behind the scenes, they talk about how you know he was James Bond, he was the James Bond, and they they got him to play. Uh, Henry Henry Jones. Um, an interesting meta casting in that the first like hour of this movie to me it was like a Roger Moore James Bond movie. Like that's what I was gonna say. Like the boat scene especially. Oh man! Yeah. Like how every fucking Moore movie has like a fifty minute boat scene with like a Colonel Pepper who's like ah, James Bond, what's going on? Andy? And the, the, he was in this, but he might as well have been. I was waiting for him to pop up with the stupid family. Uh, but <laughs> uh, you mean, mean, mean like, like the sheriff guy that he yeah sheriff Pepper is like, like Thailand. Yeah, what are you doing? Why is he in Thailand? <laughs> like, he he's on vacation he? in Thailand. The most racist man in Louisiana is in fucking Thailand. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing there. Put this man on a list, folks. But um, yeah, um, he wasn't in it, obviously. But yeah, it's very James Bondy. He's wearing kind of like sport coats. He doesn't even do any like Indiana Jones shit until like way later in the movie, other than you know the prologue, of course. But like it has like a very like more bond feel like it's all like investigative and even elsa is sort of like a bond girl and she's actually like very like capable like it's a really formidable presence but you know the movie really kind of i think kind of twists a little bit as it goes on because then it kind of almost becomes a little bit of like a you see like the george lucas influence like when they're in the like uh the nazi castle it feels a little bit more star wars like it's like almost like the the empire's there and you can, it almost twists a little bit that way. I kind of felt like I could really feel the like. They used a lot of sound part. effects as well, though, from yeah. like the Star Wars that you can hear if you like well, watch any score, of them. Yeah, even the Williams score, it's very the kind of like March theme of the Nazis. It's very much like the Empire theme. Uh, almost yeah. feels like the Empire March where they come in and they're all kind of organized. Um, and that my favorite gag of that castle is when you know the fire starts there in the fireplace that spins around, and of course yeah. they spin. And they look over and they just like wave and smile. And she goes like, Alarm! and like gets gets all her attention. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. This movie, this movie has a lot of different settings and places. I think the early scenes they shot a lot of the like um they recreated that same kind of uh chase scene like they did in Raiders with the tank. And this one I think it was filmed in deserts in in, in Spain. Uh, there's all the sequences filmed in Venice. Um, there's all the stuff the second unit did. It was filmed in uh, Utah, Colorado. And I think the last scene when the all the men are riding off in the sunset, that was filmed in uh, Amarillo, Texas. So I was impressed by just the scope of all where they shot all this. You could tell that like there was a pretty wide, they used the whole world at their disposal to film this movie. And yeah, it, like, the, it really the shows ruins, it. Uh, the ruins that they get the grail in at the end where they're like carved into the rock into the side of the the, the cliff. Yeah, uh, that's a real place. Yeah, I, Petra I, Jordan, I think is, is okay. Place. Very good. <laughs> and this movie actually like made that like a tourist destination after it because everyone's like, "Wow, this place, this place yeah, is beautiful. It's, it's really cool." Yeah, and um, to give a little bit of background about how this movie came to be, so they actually pitched Indiana Jones as a trilogy, um, and they signed a five movie deal with Paramount. So um, T- Temple was mixed. So Spielberg actually was originally going to come, he was inclined to kind of complete the trilogy and originally he wasn't going to come back and direct, but he was kind of inclined to come back. And he actually talked about how like coming back to this movie was actually like a little bit of like a, a career slide for him, but like, it really feels like it's like putting in your like pitch hit or like he can just do get the job done. And he, like, you see so much of his influence in this. And obviously like it's so technically well done. 
uh, the way Spielberg does is like blocking and just so much of the little edits and, and transitions he does. Um, the stuff that's the, the editing with like John Williams' score into this, like the musical cues are great. It doesn't stand out to me the same way it does with like Raiders, which feels just so like magical and haunting, but um, it's really technically well done. Like Spielberg is just like, he's like, yo, I'm going to just put in, you know, clock my, clock my shift in, get this movie done. And, uh, you know, it kind of shows to a degree because it doesn't, it doesn't waste a lot of time. It actually feels a lot like Temple where it like really just like it, things really kick off. Like once the movie kind of gets going, there's not really much downtime. It's just like, go, go, go. Um, compared to something like Raiders, which has some really great action sequences, but Raiders has a lot of kind of quiet moments where things kind of stop for a bit. Um, we don't get a whole lot of that in this movie. It's really just like they're in Venice and then they're halfway across the world. And then they're, and it's really just dragging you along. It's really just like, let's keep going. So I, I will say like, I wasn't bored watching this. I was like, this movie's really clicking along. Um, and then of course the movie really changes once they get to uh, Petra, once they get to that temple and they have to, you know, solve the, the three mysteries to get to the uh, Holy Grail, which is a really great sequence. Kind of brings you back to the horror elements from like Raiders and Temple uh, with the like spinning blades that decapitates you and stuff like that. Um, and we get some really great um, acting performances by Connery and uh, Harrison Ford. Um, I will say I, I liked Connery in this. I thought he was really funny, really charming. He's a great actor, obviously, but like you watch this and just uh, the range of emotions playing a complicated character. You know, he's playing this like father who's you know they're supposed to sell this like you know kind of bit of a father-son relationship which, which is a little bit you know marred and stretched uh we could tell that he's kind of preoccupied with his work and not so much with his son and um you know they really kind of sell that throughout the movie he's kind of like the bond girl to indiana jones this movie they're like a little father-son combo going around a little adventures together um it's pretty it's pretty heartwarming uh, but i love that scene when they're in the tank and um, we get the great slapstick with uh connery and uh, brody in the tank dealing with the guys there and then the, stuff with the pen so, yeah mm. with the pen <laughs> and then he's like see henry the pen is mightier than the sword <laughs> i love their little moments together where like, they're doing their little like the little like dance or whatever the little quotes uh it's so good um, i actually want to go back to the um the relationship and how it's strained because he's a workaholic that is like the most cliche hollywood reason to give a father and his and his 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 uh, son give to give them stress is not to make him a horrible alcoholic or an abuser or whatever. No, it's, it's the easiest way is making him a workaholic. So that number one, it shows that he has good worth ethics. <laughs> number two, it's not that bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's just yeah. cliche. you see it a lot, and I'm kind of tired of it. Yeah, it, I found it a little bit inconsistent because there is, a, I mean, there is the scene when they're on the uh, Zeppelin where like he's talking to Indiana Jones and he's like, you know, talk to me. Like, what do you want to talk about? And he, you know, Indiana kind of has a laugh because he's like, you know what? I, it, you kind of get the sense it's implicit that like he's been waiting all his life to finally have this time to sit down with his dad and talk about stuff that they really want to talk about. And then, of course, that moment he's laughing. He's like, I actually don't even know what to say. It's sort of like the dog chasing the car. It's like he's wanted this moment with his dad and to have that relationship. But like, once he gets there, it's like, yeah. he can't really do it. And almost, and also there's a little bit of like, you know what? You're just like me now. It's like Indiana Jones is now his dad. And as a result, he can't actually have that father-son relationship to that degree that he had. But you know what? You know what unites father and son sleeping with a dangerous Nazi girl? And that's sort of the resolution <laughs> of the story, I guess. <laughs> they, they ride off of the yeah. sunset. They're like, that killing, was a time. Right? Nazis and yeah, sleeping with and I guess presumed immortal. I haven't seen the set. I haven't seen Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, so I don't know if this is true. But like, they drink that potion. Are they now immortal? Is, are they never going to die? Uh, Indiana Jones and uh, Sean Connery. Well, no, because I thought it happens. It's only works within the, like the like oh, if you're inside. The moment you leave, it doesn't work anymore. That makes sense. Okay, I'm like, okay, they're. I was like, they're immortal forever now. They're gonna go on bothering. Well, remember, like she the... takes the cup like outside. She's like, you're specifically said. Yeah, that's uh, and that's a little great ending too. I think with um, tough break for Elsa, obviously, you know, falling through the pit, but it's a really great little mo moment at the end with. Uh, Fish had it coming. Indiana Indiana Jones, <laughs> where he's like got his arm stretched out, and then you know, it's sort of twisting it around because you know the, the the whole story is about. Sean Connery and and I guess to a, to a lesser extent Indiana Jones too being obsessed with like the mission you know Indiana Jones is like it belongs in the museum I have to do the right thing but is it is it so much of a the right thing or is it almost like a compulsion to just keep doing this and so you know the ending is that you know sometimes you have to kind of leave things alone 
you don't always have to like go for you know put your life on the line sometimes it's best to you know you know know when to fold them know when to hold them it's sort of like that ending and uh, then they get to the little ride off in the sunset moment um I, I don't know i guess i didn't talk about this much but like what uh, your first experiences with this movie I, I watched this as a kid i watched the whole trilogy of course on, on tape this was actually my favorite movie as a kid for whatever reason i really connected with this one and i think it might have been you know the father-son element because i watched these movies with my dad this is Me the too. one that has that motion most of that kind of paternal uh dynamic and maybe that's why i liked it the most it's definitely like the kind of the most slapstick one it's also the most like 90s spielberg it has that like spielberg's in his heart moment where he's like oh okay i'm gonna look at like father-son relationships and family and it has a little bit of that sentimentality that would kind of inhabit inhibit some of his other movies uh, to come that, that decade so i always i always liked it what about you tom did you did you you must have watched this one as a kid then too right oh yeah this is probably the one that i watched the most with because of my dad he loved it because he yeah. loved sean connery more than life itself <laughs> and then he was always like oh we have to watch this and i always watched it with him and i remember i used to Rewatching this, I remember as a kid, I used to like run around. I made myself like a little whip, and I had a cap gun that I used to ber berate around my house and stuff like that. <laughs> because of this movie, I loved watching. Like I used to say, Raiders was my favorite, and I used to be terrified of uh, Temple of Doom. But I remember that I love Temple of Doom is still my favorite one. But this one, it kind of like goes back to why you like Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think it kind of just like reminisces all about that kind of action and it's still such a great movie and my dad took me to see raiders of lost ark at the movies i think i was seven like 1980 and that movie scared the shit out of me like like no seven-year-old should see that movie <laughs> both like, john and i were very desensitized as children <laughs> I, I got desensitized but I, I was not ready for heads exploding and faces melting and shit I mean, it was pretty hardcore. And of course, now I look back on it, and I absolutely love it. It doesn't scare me, but as a seven-year-old kid, it was pretty terrifying. And then um, I think we went to he, we also went to the movies. He took me to go see Temple of Doom also, um, which uh, didn't scare me as much because it was more of a gross-out thing. But I, I guess I guess I, I prefer I prefer Raiders than Doom than Crusade as far as my list of preferences in the movies yeah Shit, Actually, it's funny about the experience of watching as a kid because like I, I left years ago we we had a natalie's niece was over and, and she likes horror movies so i'm like okay we'll watch like a horror movie together <laughs> and so you uh, say that now the fear street series had just dropped on netflix i'm like oh it's like a teen ya like slasher i'm like this will be great to watch at the spoiler alert to i guess the first fear street movie that movie has some really surprisingly gnarly like graphic violence in it and like someone gets like tomatoed well you know if you have tomato slicer someone gets like their it's pretty gnarly i was like watching it nice. like wow and i had that like moment in my head i'm like i'm now the parent like inflicting the like come on kid let's watch <laughs> this movie together that i had in like the 90s you had in the 80s it's like oh that's the cycle continues i'm like i wonder if you know she'll now think back on watching this movie as a kid and be like wow that was pretty fucked up watching that uh, <laughs> early movie but just to, just to, just to say i didn't know it was gonna be that bad i'm like wow this movie really escalated uh in the second half but uh, <laughs> yeah this movie this movie also has a little bit of uh you know some violence not as gnarly as raiders raiders feels a little bit edgier it's more 70s it's got like indiana jones i was thinking about it like you know the first hour of this movie is like indiana jones with um with elsa going into the catacombs and I was thinking about it. I'm like, we're probably a good half hour to the movie. He's killed zero people. I don't think maybe, I guess the people in the boat, but that wasn't really him. Like they, they kidnapped yeah. him um, in, in Raiders. He murders like 15 people. And then the first like 10 minutes of the movie, he's like, he's shooting a bunch of people in Nepal. He's like straight up shooting guys in the heads and stuff. And <laughs> it's a little bit more edgier, not so much in, in, uh, in this one, but I do like the effect of course, at the end when they're drinking, from the cup, the Holy Grail, of course, the guy, the main one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like it's probably my favorite part. Yeah, of course, the little special effects work. He's DA, he ages himself, becomes like the crypt keeper, and you know, turns, <laughs> turns into the skeleton. Yeah, that's so, cool. Really great ILM uh, visual effort there. And also, uh, I love the Jackbox games. They have in, in one of the Jackbox games, the the murder trivia party, one of the uh, one of the games is from that movie with the Holy Grails, all the grails. Like, pick the grail you want to put the poison in. And one of the grails is like a very small nondescript one, which is of course a nod to uh, the Holy Grail in this one. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I thought the overall coming back to it, this was my favorite one as a kid. 
Um, I love this one the most. Coming back to it now, I kind of went into it thinking, you know what? I feel like every time I watch these movies, they become my favorite one. I'm like, oh, this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one. I don't know if I totally had that with this one. I do like it a lot, but uh, to me, it, you can see like it, it feels like it's it's going back to Raiders a bit to a degree that I don't think it really like well doesn't really satisfy to that to the same extent. But I did find this one though the funniest one. I did laugh the most with this one. Uh, the, of course, another great gag which would never happen today. The sequence when they're in Berlin, they decide to go back to the Berlin to get the diary, and uh, they they accidentally stumble into a Nazi rally, and they actually stumble into <laughs> Hitler himself. Uh, which yeah. is a great gag where he grabs the and diary signs and signs the it book and gives it back to, to Harrison Ford. It's uh, it's pretty funny. Um, I had a, I had a big I had a big laugh there. And, you know the Nazis are such great villains in these movies. You know everyone hates them, so you can just you know you know yeah, do it's what you easy want to with them. them. I had a kind of a fun fact about that. So if you play the Lego Indiana Jones of the video game series, all the Nazi stuff is removed from the video game. Uh makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I also, I know, like, I up, up until recently as well, too, in Germany, they had pretty strict uh, rules with, like, depictions of like, swastika and stuff like that in in uh, their media. So a lot of stuff that would come out here, that especially, like, World War II themed stuff, think, like, shooter games and stuff like that would be heavily censored in Germany, uh, obviously. Um, although some of those rules are now starting to be changed a bit. You know, now that we're, like, seven years away from, from World War II. Uh, well, people, now people the Nazis forget. are cool and cool. And again. now the Nazis are cool. <laughs> They're just like, ah, oh, it's not so... Yeah, we're, we're bringing back the 30s fascism, folks. Yeah, um, we're bringing back the National Socialist Party. <laughs> um, also, quick notes about release. This movie came out. It was a huge financial success. Um, grossed... Uh, worldwide domestic 474 million the budget was only like 48 so it was a big success all these these trilogies of movies were very financially successful uh it was the highest grossing movie of 1989 um it won the academy award for best sound editing it was nominated for best original score best sounds um and of course a sequel film would follow many years later close to 20 i want to say 20 years later actually um in 2008 with the release of uh, kingdom of the crystal skull and now of course a follow-up fifth movie uh, that just came out two weeks ago, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, in terms of promotions uh, for this movie, um, it, it, it had a lot of the Indiana Jones movies that were heavily marketed with like merchandise because, you know, the Lucas influence. So when it came to Indiana Jones, they were less so like with toys. It was more like lifestyle stuff. They would sell a lot of like tie-in jackets, shirts, fedoras, whips, stuff like that to like, you know, so you could be Indiana Jones. There wasn't so much like you could buy like little toy figures and stuff like that. Although I'm sure they probably had some of that stuff uh, regardless. Um, but Indiana Jones also had tie-in video games. There was, uh, uh, I believe, a game on the Nintendo Entertainment System. There were, I think, various um, arcade and, and PC adventure games that were released to tie in with uh, Indiana Jones Last Crusade. I remember there was, uh, LucasArts did a, a few that were really good that I remember playing. They were like kind of point-and-click adventure games where you're a little Indiana Jones figure, kind of like the Monkey Island series of games. Um, and this film, of course, has been released just like the other ones were. Um, notably, it had a really prominent DVD release. That's actually one of the second times I remember watching these movies. I watched them all on tape as a kid, but when they released that trilogy box set back in 2003 uh, with all the like special features and documentaries, that's where I really got back into it because I watched that with my dad. And uh, that's sort of what got me into really reloving that series of, of films. Um, and in terms of, you know, what people thought about it when it came out, this movie was still pretty widely praised. It had a lot of um, a char charm and love to it. A lot of people really dug the prologue with the young Indiana Jones component. Of course, the young Indiana Jones would actually be a later ad adaptation of this series. They would go on to make a bunch of uh, a little series, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. That was, you know, inspired by this prologue, the idea of like, you know, let's use this setting in time to do a little like kind of you know, more directed towards like, you know, younger kids, children uh, to get them into the, into the series. And they actually did, I think a bunch of novels as well too. I, I, I was, um, I never read that stuff. My uncle who's a bit older than me. Um, he, uh, he grew up in the eighties and he actually like uh, had a few of like the young Indiana Jones stuff on tape and he was into that stuff. But um, I, I never, I, I got some of his handy, handy down, handy down uh, some of his, uh, some of his, uh, books and stuff like that but i never i never really read those books but i have heard some of them have like some pretty cool plots and stuff so um but uh in terms of some people were a little bit more critical of this movie they thought the film was soulless uh some people didn't like they thought it was a little bit too slapsticky which i kind of felt at times too it kind of felt a little bit too corny and a little silly at the expense of some really great drama um but uh yeah in terms of 
otherwise I, I thought the movie was just really fun to come back to it's really technically well made um it, is, it doesn't overstay its welcome it doesn't doesn't drag on or feel too long um i think it's i want to say it's probably like a two-hour movie like it really like clicks along um great 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 performances as well too i love seeing the side characters like sala and brody come back and get a lot of humor from them but i really think sean connery is really well really a great performer in this i even really like allison dooley as uh as um, as elsa even though she kind of gets a bit of a um, a bit of a raw deal in this movie I, I thought her performance is really great especially in the beginning with uh with her and harrison ford they have some really great really great moments together um and it's just it's just fun it's just a lot of fun watching this and i and i wanted to watch more of them like after watching this i was like so pumped up to watch another one of these movies i don't i don't watch these and i'm like oh man that was i'm done i can't watch anymore i watch them and i'm like give me more i'm having so much fun watching these movies so that says something so um any other thoughts from you guys about uh this one no i think you pretty much nailed it john it's just like, i liked it it's fun to watch and i remember like it's kind of a shame that they kind of waited so long to make like another like a fourth installment to it yeah yeah it kind of it kind of like took the sales i think a little bit out of it and uh i guess it would have been cool to see more of these earlier on and actually they the ideas behind these movies were wild like this wasn't of course i mentioned at the start this wasn't the first uh, script written for this movie they had experimented with other ideas the actual the holy grail idea was actually originally pitched as an idea for temple of doom for the second movie which later of course became temple of doom but there was a, originally a storyline that they were going to do with the haunted house in in scotland in the highlands which of course uh, spielberg was involved in toby hooper's uh, poltergeist that they, they realized that movie was would be way too similar to poltergeist uh but there had been many different conceptions and ideas there was an idea of doing uh at one point there was going to be one i think as well too in like in like feudal japan there was like ideas of all these different settings and places they had pitched many different ideas for this movie um so it's kind of kind of would have been cool to, to see some of these you know, done earlier on, not, you know, de-aging Harrison Ford and bring him back for them. But um, I, I do feel like with all these Indiana Jones movies, even though we only had a few, a select few of them, you know, they really set the stage for like adventure movies for the next, you know, 15 to 20 years. We were, we were talking last week and I remember thinking this as a kid when I saw it, but, you know, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, I remember watching in the theaters as a kid and thinking, wow, this is the first movie that I can think of that like, really reminds me of like Indiana Jones and like I felt like that movie experience watching this so I, I think you you know for for better for worse like you don't get like Marvel movie number 35 without like Indiana Jones like that whole type of action adventure filmmaking style would just permeate through a whole generation of Spielberg and well, Lucas, yeah you, know, you get it like video films. games like Far Cry or yeah or uh Uncharted Thank you. That's the one I was thinking of. Uncharted. Yeah, and, and, um, and my uh, wife played all the Uncharted games before watching these movies. And so when she watches them now, she's like, oh, this is literally from Uncharted. Like, Uncharted just did this. I'm like, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's, Nathan it's, Drake it's is Indiana Jones. Spider Man, Spider -Man Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's been a big influence. I guess maybe we can then get into our, our scores then. Um, I'll, I'll kick it off then. I'm, I'm a 4.5 out of 5 near perfect for me and i actually almost rated it just a five out of five but i i did feel like there was a few parts where it felt a little bit like a little bit shambolic a little bit like too winky and like fourth wall breaking like it felt mm -hmm. you just you just knew that like harrison ford was like was filming this and doing all this like on writing autographs doing press junkets like it felt like so like spiel like spielberg is like all you know he's like He's playing it safe. He's doing what he's doing. It's great. It's technically proficient, but it just felt like a little bit too winky and it's a little bit too sure of itself. And I kind of wish it was, I, it didn't have that edge from Raiders. And I mean, it's less dark than Temple of Doom, but you, if you rewatch Raiders, Raiders has a lot of like edge and the tone of it's a little bit more dour. It's, it's got a lot more quiet moments too. Like it doesn't just bombard you with like, we're in this location, then this location. To me, this one was just so over the top adventurous that it actually got a little bit, at times, a little bit draining. But I wasn't bored though. I did enjoy it, and I would say, is this the best trilogy of films ever? Um, maybe, honestly, like it's got a case for it. It's really good. Someone out there is like, oh, actually, the Lord of the Rings. Okay, fair enough. But like, <laughs> these films are great. They're, they hold up really well. This film, it feels so fresh. It's, it's over thirty years old now, and it's still a blast. So I gave it a four point five. How about you, uh, Simon? Uh, I'm gonna give it a three and a half. Um, some of the some of the jokes fall flat for me. I think it's kind of corny. The action's great, um, but it's 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 my least favorite of the three. But that's like saying, you know, uh, I, I, I chocolate ice cream is my third favorite ice cream. You know what I mean? They're all yeah. good. <laughs> How about you, Tom? 
I give it a 4.5. I only because there's like in the middle, I kind of like lost my focus a little. But other than that, like this is just a fun movie to watch. Like I've said before, I think it's just nice to kind of bring back the essence of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I wanted to touch. Do you guys remember the Diet Coke commercial for Indiana Jones? And I left. If you look on the notes, John, I put the URL. So anyhow, it shows like how he like was like these two like couples sitting on the couch, and before like his wife can say, she's like, "Hey, can you get me a pop?" And she's like, "Ah." And as her way to the fridge, she's got to like go through like like the whole like the arrows coming out of her walls <laughs> and she opens the fridge and you see like the knight that's in the end of of um the last crusade and he's like choose wisely and she picks like the diet coke and it's it has that like kind of cut scene of it oh that's so funny i don't remember it but i'm sure i saw it a million times i remember if i had because i had the v i had the vhs or my dad might have bootlegged it because he was like infamous for that of just like recording it on TV oh, on VHS, yeah. and I remember the com- watching the commercial before it. That's cool. Oh, wow. I just, I imagine she like pulls like the RC Cola. He's like, "You've chosen poorly." Poorly, yeah, <laughs> RC Cola. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll also want to mention real quick. Um, um, Curtis wasn't here, but he actually was kind enough to give a score. Um, he he wrote a quick review on our chat. He he had just you know in a nutshell he had said like. He really loved this movie. He loved all, of course, you know, Curtis loves his Westerns and Western America. And he, you get that with this movie. So he really loved that. And he was also particularly drawn to the uh, kind of father-son dynamic in this movie. Um, so he was really kind of, uh, that that really spoke to him. So he gave it a five out of five. So overall, so we got five out of five, two, four and a half, and a three and a half. So that gives us uh, roughly 3.7, sorry, 4.375, 4.4, you want to round up. So uh, another great score, another great movie. Um, do we like this as much a Temple of Doom altogether? No, I think that one is still my favorite. Uh, Curtis, Curtis would argue against that. But, oh, that's um, right. Curtis doesn't like here. Temple of Doom as much. So that's fair. Um, <laughs> I, so I there are there is, to his input to, on it. <laughs> yeah, so we could debate him and tell him why he's wrong, though. But uh, <laughs> Temple of Doom is, uh, I think, for the three of us here, anyways. I think we like that one the most. It's, it's but I, I would say like you can't go wrong with this one. It's still a really good movie. It, it holds up, and I think like. I liked it when I was a kid more, so I wonder if, like, if you're watching with a younger audience, if they would like this one a little bit more because it it does feel a little bit more aimed at a younger audience, a little bit more. It's not as violent to a degree. It's um, a little bit more adventurous. A little it has a father son kind of comedy dynamic. I wonder if it would hit that way for for younger folks. Um, but it, it was still really fun to come back to it. And um, I don't know. Maybe I will check out Dial of Destiny. I don't know. I I, I heard like when it premiered. I want to see it. It got slammed. People were saying it was horrendous, and then. I, all I've seen, I've been on Letterboxd, I've been like three and a half, four and a half. Like, good movie, good movie. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta check it out. I heard, I heard the de-aging component was actually pretty well done. That's what I've heard. So it looks it looks pretty good in the trailer anyway. So I, know, I, I still think, think people it's kind of weird that they're like, it's like old Harrison Ford voice and like young Harrison Ford body. I don't know. It just uh, doesn't always hold up to that degree. There's a little bit of like an uncanny valley effect, I think, with it. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. That about wraps it for uh, Last Crusade. Maybe you know we'll be back, folks, for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull coming soon to a feed near oh. you. <laughs> oh. I'm in danger. Uh, oh, <laughs> but uh, you might be thinking otherwise. What's coming up on the podcast? Well, we're going to be doing more of the Ridley Scott films. A lot of new. I forgot to mention the news. Fuck, I keep forgetting because we we spend so much time talking about it, and then after the episode, I'm like, oh, should have mentioned that. New trailer for Napoleon, the new uh, Ridley Scott movie that's coming out at the end of the year. Oh, so who knows? Maybe when by the time we wrap the series, we'll wrap it in time uh, to watch and talk about um, his newest film, Napoleon. So uh, but that's going to be coming out. So a lot of buzz around Ridley Scott, of course, with his new film coming out. So if you want to follow along, we're going to be watching next, I believe, is uh, White Squall. I think White Squall and then G.I. Jane. Uh, which uh, aren't his two most acclaimed movies, but have their fans. So be excited to talk about them. And then I think uh, we're also coming up on our milestone 100th episode. We'll have to figure out what we want to do for that. Uh, so, you know, big, uh, big number, the big, big one, 100. So um, maybe we'll pick something that's sort of uh, one we've been wanting all wanting to do, or maybe we'll find something that'll be like appropriate for that, that anniversary pick. I was thinking soon we should do, uh, we should wrap up the Halloween movies and do like H2O and uh, uh, Resurrection, even because I, I don't know if I could do a whole episode on Halloween Resurrection. I would be cruel and in, unusual punishment on my psyche so. <laughs> but if i could bundle it with another one 
happy to do it. Is that, is that the one with Buster Rhymes? He's like, trick or treat, motherfucker. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to see that one now. <laughs> all right. Well, stay tuned then. Solo episode coming for Resurrection. We'll give you all the... Oh, man. That one's, that one's, that one's an experience. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's what's coming up, I guess. Um, in terms of plugs, Tom, anything you want to plug? Well, we're going to be recording our other podcast pretty much immediately following this one, so... No, mm-hmm. live live plug for uh, domestic pints only. Yeah, if you like to watch, learning about like new craft beer in the Canadian area and stuff like that, or any new domestic beer and stuff, you can watch our podcast on TikTok, Instagram, on all platforms, and follow us at TikTok, Instagram, and domestic pints only at gmail.com. And it's a great, it's fun. If you want to even like lock. recommend beer, just come yeah. to us. Yeah, we like to get recommendations for stuff. We've had a few folks like. You know, then time and again, be like, oh, at least I have, like, I've had people in my life be like, oh, you should try this beer or this place. So it's great to kind of get that conversation going, like, if you bring it up and then, you know, people watch. It's it's a great way to find out about new stuff that, you know, we would have never drank or talked about before. Because even you, Tom, like, there's been beers you were like, oh, I don't really care about this kind of beer. And then from doing the pod, you're like, oh, you're just like, so God fucking damn it. <laughs> Pretty good. So, yeah, we're actually going to be recording uh, our episode our next episode on white cloth surf that's dropping pretty much after this, we're going to start doing that. And that'll be up soon. Um, Simon, anything you want to plug or mention as well? I don't think I have anything. Oh, I, I do want to mention actually, cause I know you manage it. The, uh, the Facebook group, it's in the show notes now. Um, so if you look at the episode notes on your app, you'll see a Facebook group. So if you do have a Facebook profile and you do go on there from time to time, feel free to follow us on there. We'll be posting episode links and announcements there. So you'll uh, yeah, smash that like of... button. Yeah, smash that like button. Five star us. You know, follow us on <laughs> Patreon. Wouldn't it be something to be popular enough that I could have a dumbass Patreon account where I do no work and I just complain about movies all day like all these jerks online? Wouldn't that I be know, something? right? You know, what a life. Anyways. <laughs> but then you have to be heads of the audience and you got to do everything for them. You know, that's, that's the... Unless that's you're the Red Letter Media, you can just do whatever you want. That's true. That's that's the that's the goal is to become like Red Letter Media where you're just doing it for yourself. Right. People like you for it. You don't yeah. want to become one of those saps who's like issuing an apology every two weeks to no. your like 50 followers. It's, you know, <laughs> no one wants to be there. So you got to do it for yourself. So who knows? Stay tuned. But um, I think I wraps it up then. If there's nothing else, then I think we can close this one off. Uh, thanks everyone and thank you again Simon and Tom for joining me hey, thanks for having me I thank think, you uh, for we'll having have, me on uh, again great seeing you again Tom I think, uh, I think we'll have uh, Quinn we Curtis back for next week so that'll be fun too so alright stay tuned uh, we'll see you guys take care everyone goodbye goodbye